Oh yeah, get some of this. Boxeo is back. Yes, to the beat and you don't quit. It really is that old school rap with that new school hit. It's the Brian Campbell coming at you in this corner where the audio invasion continues. This is the podcast that is coming for your free time with that lethal dose of performance enhancing audio. It's simply what you get on this podcast. Every time I grab the mic, I go crazy. So of course... Peace out to CeeLo Flex and Doug Lazy, but we've got so much to talk about, so little time, yet the mission statement, it remains the same. We want you to want me, so if you like what you hear from this versatile combat sports carnival, if you see something, well, you know what to do. It's time to say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Do me a personal favor. Subscribe, rate, review. Folks, it only takes a minute, but... While we have the floor, because this is what we do on the ITC, we bring it. I'm going to bring in my man, my, my my tag team partner for this Boxeo edition, my Vitaly to my Vlad, if you will, my Walter to my Lucas the Machine. I mean, I, I bet you never knew, but now you know. He's the undisputed king of this disco, Rave Bartholomew. Big Red, how is it? It's great. Look, I'm the number one performance enhancer when it comes to audio. You know, I'm here to enhance you. I bring the meldonium, the, the meldonium for that eardrum. Is that a, a Povetkian reference right there? I mean, or maybe any fighter who has ever trained in the former Soviet Union, but who knows? Rafe is back on the left coast, joining us by by the uh, the wonders of Skype. Rafe, it's a little bit of a down week this week in boxing. We are going to set the stage and preview Saturdays or Sunday, depending on where you are. If you're down under the welterweight title fight, of course, between Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn. Got our typical topics, our segments we like to hit. What does it look like at the end of the show, of course? Rafe, what's new? You know, the the the, the book is still out on the streets. Two and two. <laughs> Two and two, McSorley's My Dad and Me, a book uh, I wrote a month ago, or it came out a month ago, um, is going to be out for quite a while. So if you're interested in New York, uh, bars, father-son stuff, even if we're past Father's Day a little bit, um, yeah, check it out. It's on Amazon, anywhere else you might find you know, books. Excellent. It's been a great read. We got a lot to talk about in the world of Boxeo. I want to run through a couple quick headlines, Rafe, before we you know, take you down under and talk some uh, Manny Pacquiao. How was that? Was that a... That's Tagalog approved. Pacquiao, Pacquiao. Pacquiao, Pacquiao. Rafe, a boxing headline that that sort of got me to pop, that caught my fancy, is my guy Rigo, Guillermo Rigondeau, the still undefeated featherweight titleist. I'm sorry, junior featherweight, 122, calling out Vasily Lomachenko. It's it's a two-time Olympic gold medalist on two-time Olympic gold medalist crime on Twitter. First, Rigo says, I'll finally give in. I'll fight you at 126. And let's remember... Rigo's the unbeaten champion at 122. In his mind, he's small enough to still be a, a bantamweight at 118. That's where he'd probably do his best work, he says. He's finally ready to call out and fight Lomachenko at 126. Well, then Lomachenko came back on Twitter. There was an argument. You're getting Igus Klimas involved. Finally, Rigo says, all right, you want to stall? I'll fight you at 130. And that got me going, whoa. Now, look, Rigo, is, he's going to be 40 before you know it, right? He's in his mid-30s. He, he fights. He may be 40 already. He might be 40 we, already. We don't quite know it. We don't uh, know. Is that a reference to uh, Danny Almonte, or is that not? I, I mean, he was Dominican, not Cuban. Um, right, yeah. But he was also the greatest pitcher of my lifetime. I mean, he, I'm, I'm right in the wheelhouse from New York. You know, that Bronx team. I don't care. I forgive Danny Almonte since. Ah, yes, Cuban B. Well, the the thing with this is it's going back and forth. Igus is basically telling, you know, Rigo's team, you know, don't call me. Igus is not a fighter. Igus is not a promoter. 
call Top Rank. And of course, we know that Rigondeaux and Top Rank, not the best relationship. Rigo's, of course, been throwing away his career in recent years, right? Not uh, Bouncing around from promoters when they do give him a, a, a prime slot, like we saw in essentially the co-main event to Cotto Canelo in 2015. Rigo goes out there and lays an egg. He needs an opponent, obviously, to come at him, to bring out the best in him, to bring out any excitement in him. But this shows me, Rafe, that he's basically saying, I want that big payday. I want to challenge myself and see if I really am the best of the world. I want to put on 10 more pounds, basically, and fight Lomachenko. Does this get you fired up? Like, we may actually see this, or does this still come down to the Bob Arum versus I can't sell this guy Rigondeaux war? Yeah, well, look, I, 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 overall, yes, fired up because I want to see Rigo get, uh, you know, fight some, some real fights, some, some challenging fights, some interesting fights while he still is at that world elite level of ability that, you know, we've seen in the past. Uh, I think we see every time he fights, sometimes it's more entertaining and more, more boring than others. But yeah, I want to see. Rigondo in really meaningful fights to see just sort of, you know, see him, you know, like you said, like the best come out of him a little bit more. So he's not sort of hitting the snooze button through his fights. And also, you know, because I think he wins some of these fights. Now, I don't know if he is actually serious about going up to 130, even though are he you serious? It. Are you serious right uh, now? Yeah. Max, Max, are you serious? This, he, I mean, Rigo respects box. Uh, he knows that's a lot of weight to put on. He knows how good I'm sure. I'm sure he knows exactly how good Lomachenko is. I could see it happening. But what it means to me really is if this fight, this particular fight happens soon at 126, 130, anything, who knows? You know, I mean, there's so many. It could. There's bluster. There's top rank stuff. I mean, you know, Bob might be vomiting right now as he claims to do every time <laughs> he, he hears the name, you know, Guillermo Rigondo, which is unfair. Um, which is but, a shout out, of course, to Rigo's breakthrough victory over Donaire, April 13, 2013. I got that poster right in front of me. That's why that date's jumping out to it's, me. It's a classic. Anyway, Radio City, bro. But what it means to me is that he, Rigo is at the point in his career where he says, Screw it. I know that the only way I'm going to get these fights is to is to to take risks, is to go up and wait, is to challenge, is to call guys out, challenge them, just do, you know, throw throw everything, throw everything at the throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. So maybe it doesn't stick in this case and they don't get a Lomachenko fight right away. But maybe then now that he said he's willing to move up to 126, he can pivot and maybe start doing some business with Al Heyman and PBC and and that great kind of stable of guys at 126 there. If he can if would you not want to see Rigondeaux against Gary Russell Jr., Carl Frampton, Leo Santa Cruz. Look, you, you know what you're exposing? I mean, those are fun, fun. Those are, I mean, that's, if we get those and not Lomachenko, I mean, it's not quite the uh, the level of excitement for, for like the real purist, like, oh, two-time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist, you know, the best fighter, the best amateur fighters of all time, perhaps, you know, or at least have the best, some of the best amateur records and, you know, Yes, you get that with against Lomachenko, but if if all it ends up is him getting a decent fight against a, a a guy, you know, a respected opponent who we've heard of before and want to see fight again, I'll take that in a second. Yeah, Any decent fight for him. You just basically exposed uh, he should have went to Heyman right at the beginning of the PBC, right? Look how many guys that were once can, like Miguel Vasquez, the puppet who was getting like headlining PBC roles. You know what I mean? Like obviously Rigo should have went in that same McDonald's as Miguel as Miguel Vasquez and met up with Sam Watson and signed that deal instead of bouncing around with. Was he with 50 Cent along with Jay-Z? I mean, I don't know. No, that was Gamboa. Anyway, you just look back. It's been such a bad run. But really, 
I don't know. We're not supposed to care about Rigondeaux anymore, and I've been a long protector of him. We tweet at each other. I, I, look, I love the guy, right? He's He is pound-for-pound pound talent. He didn't slip out of my top ten because he's just not fighting and just not fighting guys he should be. But this fight, Rafe, was like the ultimate hardcore boxing fan Bring your hardcore, you know, green card to, to get into the fight and watch this. Like, this is our Super Bowl. This is like the, the, the technical Super Bowl in boxing. You could not find a more accomplished technical fight than this. And I just, my biggest question is, and I think Rigo's been setting himself up where one of these days he's just going to catch a bad decision he doesn't deserve. And he's going he's gonna to catch that first O and he's probably going to fade away. And we'll, we'll just be talking about the legend of Rigondeaux around campfires for the next 30 years. But is 130 too big for him? Would he be giving up too much just to finally get this fight so that finally they can sell the first double Olympic gold medalist against the, the, the other double Olympic gold medalist? I mean, 130 is a lot. Do you think he can still be Rigo at that weight? Against Lomachenko, I mean, it sounds like a, a, a lot to swallow. Uh, however, who knows? Uh, you know, I would still want to see it. You know, I think... Um, I think I, I imagine if if they fight at that weight, he probably just you know does the 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 you know does the Floyd thing or do, you know when when he would fight a, uh, at 154 or you know he basically just comes in at somewhere between 122 and 130, uh, whatever he's comfortable at, and lets it and lets that be it. I don't think he like makes. I don't see why he would want to put on you know put on all that weight if it wasn't going to help him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Moving on in the in the headlines this week is your guy, your guy, by the way, cruiserweight titleist Unier Cool Ranch Dorticos. He's joining yeah. uh, Richard Schaefer's World Boxing Super Series tournament, which features a lot of money from Germany that no one knows where it's coming from. He's going to join the the roster of commits that also has cruiserweight champs Murat Gassiev, and you can please help me with the with the pronunciations here. Maris Brightus and former champ Christoph Walardsik. We're still going to call him that. And uh, Rafe, I know I don't care because as we established, I don't pop for cruiserweights like you do. But uh, getting Cool Ranch Dorticos in there, you, you fired up for this or what? Huge, man. I mean, the, I mean the way that Dorticos, you know, stopped Yuri Kalenga. I mean, that was a big that was a big moment last year. That was like a statement in the cruiserweight division. You got Bradis, who's been, you know, the Latvian champ, WBC champion, who might be, you know, who looks like he, he has crazy. I mean, one, he has serious power. He one shotted Manuel Char a few years ago when he went up to heavyweight. And also, you know, has beaten good guys at that level. Uh, Gassiev is, is, you know, I mean, lots of power in that, you know, they, this is a serious tournament. I mean, the, the you know, the funny thing about the turn, the cruiserweight tournament is, remember, we, we had Andre Ward talking about perhaps moving up to cruiserweight. And I don't think we're going to see him in this tournament. Um, <laughs> but the but there were some there was some rumors about him maybe trying to get together with Tony Bellew coming back down to defend his cruiserweight title in the you know uh uh creed supporting actors fate cruiserweight championship <laughs> uh, but the thing i like best about that is that if andre ward were at cruiserweight at, while this tournament were going on he basically becomes the lucian boutet of that division going all the way back to the super middleweight wow. super six where there was this guy on the outside who benefited from not having to face all the real good guys and war and and and, and you know ward was angry that that he was that boutet Butte was out there and ended up not giving him a fight after Butte lost to Carl Frotch, uh, being like, no, he didn't earn it. Uh, and so, you know, it's sort of the, how, how interesting the tables may turn with Andre Ward on the outside of this really competitive, exciting tournament and, uh, and kind of avoiding the real competition at that level. Uh, just funny. I mean, Ward certainly just took on all the good competition he needs to. It's, just, it's not really a knock on anyone. It's just sort of a funny, uh, you know, role reversal. 
Would I be excited to see Richard Schaefer back on my screen wearing his loafers? Maybe. Cruiserweights aren't moving me yet, but hey, maybe this will turn out to be one brawl after another and it'll win me over. But our final piece of news this week, Rafe, it, you know, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Can you just pronounce I, it? I got me? you, I got you. Avtandil Kortsidze from Georgia. And we love the guy because, you know, Debella promotes him. He's a middle, he's a he's a interim middleweight titleist. He walked through, was that Antoine Douglas, who was who was being propped up as a as a Huge big prospect. Showbox. Great yeah, showbox, showbox fight. Upset. Kurtzidi stripped of that title. He will no longer be facing Billy Joe Saunders for the real belt, and now he could face up to 40 years in prison in a new story that broke a week ago for his, quote, alleged role in a New York-based Russian and Georgian crime syndicate. I know you popped for this one, Rafe. Give me the reaction here. I mean, it's a classic, wonderful story. I can't wait for more details to come out. Um, but, but really it, it, it was, it disappointed me. I mean, like, I love a good, crazy, you know, like, like, you know, true crime story when, with a great boxing tie, but man, I, I, it's too early to say goodbye to Avtandil. Like this guy was fun. He was one, he's crazy. He had these outrageous interviews. He would wear like a American flag windbreaker shirt with gold <laughs> chains. I mean, which probably is going to be used against him in court yeah. now. Um, and, but most importantly, he was one of the weirdest specimens in the sport, a, a five foot four middleweight contender who, I mean, you know, try like, you know, Pat, like was inspired to box because of Mike Tyson and tries to fight in the peak peekaboo style, throwing these crazy wild left hooks, uh, or like just nonstop. Uh, uh, he, uh, he's, uh, He's just a lot of fun and a weird character, and and like you know, you saw he do these wild dances in the ring after he won. He just like a wild man. So it's I'm sad that we his, his boxing legend, not that it would ever be a real legend, uh, <laughs> gets cut short. Um, and I guess you know our, our consolation is whatever legend comes comes out in the details of this uh, of this uh, af you know of, of this case against that against him in this. Uh, crime conspiracy what i'm afraid is that he's just a bit player in this you know he just kind of mixed up with some of the wrong guys somebody told him to wait somewhere one day and he just kind of got caught in and you know he's not i mean i i don't he's probably are you alibying him are you alibying kurt c what are you ludabella what is going on right now hey man i you know it's just a little i they, you know sometimes you know sometimes you just get mixed up with the wrong people you fall in with the wrong crowd you know i i mean until i find out that i hope i don't find out that he did anything truly awful but um <laughs> i guess we'll have to wait and see for the details until then um you know thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, Mr. Kurtzidze, uh for a fun couple of years. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, in the previous item, Manuel Char getting his soul taken. I just checked out his box <laughs> record real quick. I didn't realize that our guy Johan Duhalpis took knocked out <laughs> Char, took his soul, and then got the Wilder fight because of that. And we were able to produce all those memes of Duhalpis holding that giant like fifty pound fish and saying who wore it better, showing the pictures of uh, Lomachenko. Uh, but hey, Char had a good run there, right? When he was unbeaten and Vitaly took him out. But come on, uh, bro, we could have saw Char Wilder. That would have been great on a on a PBC Saturday night. We still Birmingham. may see Char Wilder. Yeah, that's don't a great. Not, don't count it out. It's a great point. There is your uh, wild and wacky headlines this week. Very very low. <laughs> this is probably the poorest pr uh, production of headlines we have ever produced. You know, I mean, come on. It's, I it's the summer. Sometimes you get a slow week. Yeah, come on, Rick Reno. Give me more some. Give me some more Russian translated headlines here that I can that I can put out this week. Let's get to the fight of the week, which is really kind of a slow week as we build toward 
what's uh, you know it's never usually a busy summer in boxing, right? Like the, you know we know the pay per view boxing season, right? It's like April, May, and then September, October. It's never really a big summer. I think we're lucky to have Broner Garcia in July 29th, but this Saturday's fight will sort of give us a good carryover. It's uh, Manny Pacquiao, the welterweight titleist at age 38, returning to the ring in Brisbane, Australia, to face. The Hornet, hashtag get horned, unbeaten welterweight contender. Apparently he's a welterweight contender. I mean, I'm going to be really honest. I never heard of him until we went down this road. I don't think you did either unless you're watching the grainy footage of uh, of uh, who's the who's the great Australian hero that fought it like? Oh, Mundine. Anthony Mundine, yeah. who fought like every weight class is probably still going at age 50. <laughs> Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, Saturday night. This bout will be broadcast on ESPN, Rave, 10 p.m. Eastern. You can also get, if you tune into the undercard, which I believe it's being streamed on ESPN3, you might even be able to get an undercard on regular ESPN, but the undercard, Shane Mosley Mick Jr. Conlin. and oh, yeah. Michael Conlon. Tito? Is T- are they bringing Tito the monkey? I hope I think he, he better he be there. He needs to be there. Uh, he better be there. In, in, uh, yeah, he, unless Jim I, got him in the divorce. It, I don't think Jim got him. It may be hard to bring, introduce uh, foreign animals into, you know, into <laughs> other countries, but I mean... For the fight, I feel like they should be able to get some kind of visa waiver. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, Irish Olympian Michael Conlon will have, I believe, his second, maybe his third pro fight. But he, he you know, he feels a he feels a good soundbite there. He's a McGregor disciple at that same time. We're laughing because Pacquiao Horn is a joke fight. Now, you know, for the run, Manny Pacquiao had been on his entire career. The fact that he kind of had a sneaky fighter of the year profile last year in beating Tim Bradley in the trilogy, coming back, winning another welterweight title from Jesse Vargas. No, he's not Manny from. 08, 09, 010, 011, even though once again our guy Freddie Roach dropping headlines saying, What did he say here? I have not seen this Manny Pacquiao in seven years. You know, <laughs> once again predicting that the Pacquiao knockout streak will be broken. Off the top of your head, Rafe, when was Pacquiao's last knockout? Off the top of your head. Oh, Miguel Cotto. So that's 29. Wow. So we're looking at eight years. I mean, but that's with a little bit of help from Lawrence Cole and Robert Garcia, who like really should have stopped the Antonio Margarito fight and and clearly damaged, you know, what was left of Margarito's career by 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 letting him finish on his feet, which I guess Margarito probably uh, is happy that he got that opportunity. Well, Freddie thinks it's a little bit more to do with uh, Pacquiao's religious conversion than anything else. Here's a quote from a boxing scene story uh, written by. you know, how about this in, in great moments in podcasting history? Written by uh, no author. All right, we can. So the great quote here from from uh, from from our guy uh, Roach is talking about Manny. He reminds me of the old days of the Manny who fought Ricky Hatton, just destroying them. When he found the Bible, he'd tell me, "I don't have to hurt people. I can beat them by points." Here's Roach saying it has been really, really frustrating to fight. The Bible is really hard. I am not religious. I don't know it that well, whereas Manny reads it every day. So it's tough to argue. But I don't think God decides the outcome of fights. I think people, too. End quote. All right. That's Roach's religious uh, beliefs. That's not the question of this. The question of this is, is that I didn't intend to bring up this topic, but is that the main reason why why Manny's not blowing away, guys? Uh, a, a, a convergence. I mean, he did, he did leave Claudia and Margarito off the hook. He didn't try to walk through and finish them. He's a nicer guy these days. Or is it just, hey, all those guys you saw him blowing away, they were old and they were walking into it, and, you know, he's still fighting two divisions above where he should. 
Well, there's a number. I mean, you can go fight by fight, and there's sort of an explanation for each one. I mean, like you know, there 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 are times when he did seem to take his foot off the gas and let guys, you know, let guys survive till the end. Uh, and let's and, not and forget. Was, by the way, I'm going to stop you. Let's not forget performance enhancing drugs. A lot of people will guess and say that too. Obviously, that is is one of your options on the board for anybody in the sport at this point. We're not claiming and naming Manny, but let's not be ignorant. That that also. Oh is yeah, that, that's a, that is a part of his narrative. Whether you know, I mean, it's never been proven, but it's never been proven for a number of fighters and uh i think it's fair to be suspicious of any of any elite boxer at this point in time uh you know it's only it's only a matter of time until the tues come out or maybe they never will but they are out there um the tues are out there the <laughs> boxing x files um you know uh yeah i mean you know you can go sort of fight by fight and figure out some sort of reasonable excuse sometimes it looks like he's laying off and and but the truth is in recent years after being knocked out and the one time he was really going for it against Juan Manuel Marquez in that amazing fourth oh, fight yeah. of theirs at the end of 2012, he Pacquiao has just become a more uh, cautious boxer. I mean, you know, he did not, he he doesn't, he stays in the pocket far less. He can just in and out, look for a couple shots, get out, uh, using still using his legs, which which remain very very good, uh, which is kind of incredible for a fighter who's 38 years old and has always been sort of a bundle of energy in there. Um, but he 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 does sort of he doesn't fight. He doesn't really look to fight three minutes of every round anymore. Really put put on the you know prep, put put his foot on the gas. He just moves in and out, gets his shots, and and doesn't you know uh, you know doesn't doesn't really expose himself to as much danger. Um, now I don't know. So if let's say that Pacquiao knocks out Jeff Horn on Saturday night to break the streak, that, to break the streak, to break the streak. Does that really tell us anything? Is anyone going to be like, oh, see, he's back? No, it's just <laughs> he he fought a guy who does who at least by resume. I mean, and and you know, and and what little we've seen of him on YouTube, you know, which which is hard to evaluate because the opponents aren't aren't particularly good. Um, it doesn't necessarily appear to belong in in the same class as Manny, no. even at this age. So if he stops that guy because you know. Uh, at least, at least with some of the guys Manny has fought recently, uh, Tim Bradley, Jesse Vargas, like Manny would actually have to work to get to stop them. In fact, I don't know if anybody is stopping Tim Bradley the way that you know that he is as tough and as uh, smart a defensive fighter as he is. So anyway, uh, Ray Bradley would stop Tim Bradley. That's about well, it. you know, Big Ray, Big Ray knows, Big Big Ray says it and it's done. Um, but anyway, uh, for for Jeff Horn. You know, this guy might not be able to get out of the way if he's if he's just there to be hit. Then there's almost no other choice but but for that uh, fight to end in a knockout. That doesn't mean coming out of this, I'm going to be picking Manny Pacquiao to knock out Terence Crawford or someone else right, in a right. in a, a more on his level in the next fight. Well, let's talk about why we're doing this fight. We're doing this fight because of money, right? Manny's in Bob Arum, top ranked promoter, getting the the big site fee to go to Brisbane. We can only only you know speculate in Australia. That's the reason why he's fighting a, a hometown boy in here in Jeff Horn, who is 29 years old from Australia. 16-0-1. He had a draw in his fourth pro fight. You, no one wants to talk about that. But I'll tell you, looking at his box rec page, which is really a lot, you know, one of the only ways to really kind of try to quickly evaluate this guy you've never heard of. Never fought outside of Australia or New Zealand. Recent run, his most recent fight was last December when he stopped Ali Funeka. Also, last April, he forced Randall Bailey, an old Randall Bailey, who can still bang, into retirement in Australia due to an injury there. Uh, he knocked out, or he got a decision over your guy, Ahmed El Musayu. Uh, look, I'm just picking random names off of his box rec right now because this is a random opponent. So he's doing it for money. He's doing it for exposure. 
The ESPN part of it, though, is interesting, Rafe. I mean, look, late in career, guys do this, right? Oscar fought Stevie Forbes, right, on HBO to sort of kind of reboot himself, get him ready for the Pacquiao pay-per-view, just get a win on, on TV, big ratings like that. It's not exactly uncommon. I think, obviously, our argument and anger, like we talk about a lot, is that Pacquiao still you know, a pound-for-pound pound rated guy. He's still that good at 38. It's almost ridiculous. They're doing this for money, but with the ESPN part of it, with Bob Arum turning down, reportedly, an HBO deal to sort of pick up the simulcast on it, this is going to, you know, there's a calculated plan to get Manny in front of a lot of people, a lot of faces. So, Rafe, I have to deduce that they see his pay-per-view brand as currently struggling, right? Coming off the hangover of Mayweather Pacquiao with the 4.6 million buys. Manny really hasn't drawn good going back to the, after the Marquez knockout. You know, right. he re really hasn't. And when people are, especially now, know they're not going to hear him at the end of the fight, finally say he wants to fight Floyd. Like that, that narrative is out of the way. This would rehab him, hopefully, to the idea of matching him against Terrence Crawford, the pay-per-view that they should be doing, the fight that they should be doing. You and I have argued that Manny's not afraid or anything. It's just about getting enough money on the table to make it worthwhile for him. Do you see this as essentially the same sort of strategy that I'm deducing? This is just a setup to get, you know, two million people to watch if you can build that large or a million people to watch and, 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 and sort of want to pay for him again in a big fight. I don't, I mean... Yeah, I, I can see that being the long play here. Although I don't, I, I, it's just hard to believe that this is enough. That that what what number do they need to get on ESPN in terms of viewership to to convince them that they're going to make the money they would need to make for for Pacquiao to fight uh, Terence Crawford? You know, next. I don't. I mean that the way that the the amount of money that that Manny is used to making. Someone has to take a, and probably won't get into the ring to, you know, without making, uh, eh, you know, someone is going to have to take a bath on that, uh, <laughs> to, to, to make that fight happen, you know, whether, and, and I, maybe, maybe at some point in time, uh, top rank decides that is worth it to, to try and, uh, put, you know, in, in the thing, in the, you know, in the, I don't know about the hopes, but the possibility that it would be a torch passing moment uh, if, if Crawford were able to to beat Pacquiao. But it's just how much fame is there left to steal there? Um, here stateside, I don't think there's that much. It, you know, they, they, Terrence Crawford can just, you know, call out Adrian Broner a lot. I think he'd, he'd, he'd do just as well for his career. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point of, of how much will this do. I think there's a bigger overarching story here that was broken, though, by Mike Compacher of The Ring on ringtv.com, which is saying that this isn't just Bob turning down Manny on HBO for the idea of getting more viewers on terrestrial ESPN. This is part of a bigger launch that is yet to be really confirmed. Top Rank not talking about it, that... You know, Bob's going to take all of his fighters off HBO and put them on ESPN. That Bob is going to put Terrence Crawford's, you know, welterweight or junior welterweight unification bout against Ndongo later this summer. That he's going to do Lomachenko Salido 2 on ESPN. That he's going to launch a streaming over-the-top network a la WWE and UFC where he's going to air fights on there and air the full fight library, including Coppinger reported getting access to that very large multi-million dollar ESPN fight library. Hmm. Very interesting. I think the first reaction, if this is true, Rafe, is like, ouch, HBO, like, are we in trouble here? Yeah, I mean, it's in, it is very interesting, and 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 it's hard to really suss out what the long what the what the the, the long term goal of the move may be for top rank if it's one of these sort of the uh, the you know the 
Pacquiao Mosley to Showtime, right. you know, bait and switch, where it's like, oh, actually, we are, you know, let you just to let you know, we're willing to walk walk away, you know, and and get the money to come back, you know, right away on the next fight, or if it's more of a long term play for a greater audience uh, at, at ESPN and and uh, and the op- the opportunity to reach, you know, uh, just you know, many more millions of people. Uh, on pay- any given Where's night. the money coming from, though? That's just what's interesting in that, you know. Where's the? Uh, I, it's, there's a lot of speculation. It's hard the way the way things have gone with uh, ESPN's, you know, not wanting to. Uh, you know, lay out a ton of money, you know, and, uh, you know, struggling with sort of cord cutters and declining cable revenues. It's hard to imagine ESPN putting up a ton of money for it. I think with this one, Top Rank already knew they were getting paid off of off of the site fee. They kind of had it all set up that, that no one was going to, that they could go into this deal with ESPN sort of relatively risk-free. Uh, now, with the future fights, that may not be the case. It could be a time buy situation. I don't think they're, of, like, what's to say that, 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 that that's not happening, that they're not sort of cribbing notes from the PBC model, which, yeah, overall may have not been, you know, worked out great, but it did show that if you put big, you know, big-name fighters on, uh, you know, cable or free TV, uh, you can get much bigger audiences. So, it's, you know, for uh, Manny, that makes sense, right? Because they, yeah. they would assume you'd assume they're getting such a large deal in Australia. But it's obviously if the other fights end up on ESPN and, it, you know, it hasn't been announced, obviously. But that would be interesting. I think the ESPN part of it, though, Rafe, you're going to get to hear Joe and Teddy. You know, this isn't Lamps and, and your guy Max. You're going to hear Joe and Teddy calling Pacquiao. I mean, recent cable fights that have been the biggest sellers of the biggest viewed of the year on HBO and Showtime have done what? Like a little bit over a million the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, could could we do a million and a half with with Manny on on regular TV? And I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You would hope you would hope, hope so because of the names and because of because Pacquiao's name is involved and, and ESPN has you know a large you know I mean you know look their numbers in general on 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 a Saturday night for a big you know for some sort of big event should be around you know over a million a million viewers. Um, I mean, Gar- you know what Gar- I think. Garcia Malinaji on ESPN on the PBC did a little over a million. I think it was uh, Santa Cruz Mares, you know, PBC on ESPN did did one point something. I mean, obviously, you won't have the same reach you did on CBS when Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia recently did what five million. I mean, that was that was right. a huge pickup there. But uh, you know that that's an interesting debate. But for Joe and Teddy, does this fire you up extra? Oh, one hundred percent. Like the, like the the I the just you know more Teddy in our lives. We've all all the sort of. <laughs> Boxing lunatics who, you know, miss Friday night fights, that regular dose of you didn't have to watch the whole thing, but you would always catch some gem, something a little off base that Teddy did, whether he's, you know, ranting about judges and referees or if he's, you know, or just the fight plan. I mean, I, I hope I don't, I, you know, if they, I really want them to run back all that stuff. You know, Joe Tess ranting about touching gloves. I mean, you just touch gloves. gloves. You just touch. How are you going to touch gloves again? And Teddy, you know, Teddy singing about the coconuts. There's so much to look forward to here, just in terms of, uh, yeah, missing these characters in our lives and getting them, getting a chance to see them do a, you know, call a, 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 a you know, a fight that we were all, uh, you know, crapping on when when we thought it might be an independent pay-per-view. Uh, and I think 
uh, for a good reason. But now at least there's oh this no, there's no kernel. To be, yeah, to you're not getting the kernel. Excited about uh, it's like I, I can. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm happy that Teddy gets to call the Pacquiao fight now, and Joe Tess and all these. You know, it's cool. It's it's sort of fun. You know, it's fun to see your old friends get a get a get a get a look on something uh, at least above what what they usually get their hands on. Yeah, this isn't Delvin Rodriguez or Rosh Usmani, right? This is Manny Pal. This is Manny Pacquiao. Come on, man. Pacquiao, I mean, you know, Usmani, I mean, but Usmani Bartholomew, a classic, a modern classic. Do you think our guy Max Kellerman of HBO fame can work his uh, ESPN first take connections and get on that broadcast? We're going to see? We're going to see Mox on there? I would love to, but I don't think he can. Yeah, there, <laughs> there may be a – yeah. yeah, my guess is those contracts are pretty are pretty tightly wound. A little non-compete there, something something to that regard. Uh, you know, look, here's the thing. We don't have big expectations for this fight for – for very good reasons. And, you know, you, we've seen Pacquiao against much higher competition, Jesse Vargas, uh, you know, Chris Algieri even, just be able to dance circles around that level of competition. I mean, even that third Bradley fight where Bradley was still in a lot of people's top 10 pound for pound, and he had Teddy Atlas, and he looked resurgent. Man, I mean, Manny pa- handled him e- almost easily, right? I mean, that wasn't even the second fight where Bradley had a couple-round window where he was just attacking and he was clubbing Manny, and we thought, Manny's not the same guy anymore. That third fight, you were reminded, wow, when Manny wants to just box, like Freddie Roach said in that quote I read you, when Manny just wants to outbox these guys and stay on the outside and use his quickness, he can do it. So outside of the idea of the ratings and the money and outside of the idea of will this break the knockout streak, is there anything to actually look forward to in this fight? Is there anything stylistically? Is there anything, Rafe, that you are <laughs> fired up about besides Boo Boy in the corner? Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, realistically, not so much. I mean, if you're uh, – I, I understand people who say, all right, we know we, – we've seen enough of what Manny brings. We basically know what kind of fighter he is. This is this is not an interesting matchup. Henceforth, they are not interested in it. Um, Manny, to me, is still – I mean, one, because he he's – you know, my, my connection having lived in the Philippines for, for several years – um, you know, I'm always going to be interested anytime he's involved uh, and just want to see where he's at. Uh, but also, if you're looking at for the greater, you know, just the bigger picture of the sport, you're going to look and see, you know, how he looks. I mean, it sounds like there there's more reporting about uh, him having sort of a lackluster camp, which makes sense given his, his duties in the Senate and training in Manila and all the, you know, for, for several, you know, several reasons. Um does that even matter in this fight? Maybe not. Um, but I, you know, with any aging great fighter, you're sort of always looking for to see what backward steps they take as time goes on. And uh, and even even if the opponent doesn't tell us much, we're still going to read everything that we can into it about a possible matchup with, uh, you know. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Adrian Broner, who was calling him out on our podcast last week, uh, <laughs> you know, whoever. Um, that was something I want to ask you about. It, you know, these there Broner sort of the way he spoke about ESPN. He was like, "Man, you fighting on ESPN is not looking so good." Um, Can I quote there... him? Can I just give you the quote? It was Pacquiao. You need me, Pacquiao. Give me a call, man. Bob Arum, y'all need me. It's not looking too good if y'all fighting back on ESPN, man. <laughs> Which is, do you think fighters, you know, have an association with ESPN, the network, as a place for Friday night fights, for for club fights, for prospects, but not really the big time? I mean, Broner fought on Spike, right, when he beat Granados. It's not like he's necessarily. No, that was on, Showtime. Uh, that was Showtime with Granados. You're thinking showtime. of you're thinking what of Ashley the- Theo Fain when afterwards he said, Floyd, he got to see me, and Floyd basically laughed him off standing standing outside well, the ring. 
In any case, Broner has been on some uh, on some non-premium networks besides being named Mr. HBO um, way back in the day. In any case, um, yeah, do you think there's a little bit of a bias among the fighters at fighting on a, on a, on ESPN just because they're not used to it being a place for big fights? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it depends on how like educated and close you are to the business. If you're close to the business, you realize that with the PBC coming back, they did do big business on ESPN, specifically with that Garcia Malinaji fight with the Abner Mara Santa Cruz fight. Obviously, it fell off quick and fast from there. And then, you know, ESPN just became another home of the PBC putting on fights that people didn't really want to see. I mean, do you remember last Thanksgiving on, on PBC on ESPN? What was it? Laura against... Uh, Zavek? Is that Zavek? Against Jan, against like forty-year-old Jan Zavek, moving moving up in weight at uh, Hialeah Gardens outside of Miami at the racetrack. Like that was a uh, that was a Friday night fight special. But uh, you know, Al paid though. Al paid for it. So so there you go. Yeah, um, I just can't. You know, I mean, it's once again, you're talking yourself into the idea. Well, maybe Manny didn't try as hard in camp, so he'll be easier to hit. Or maybe this. Eh, it is what it is, but Manny, here's my personal statement to you. Call somebody out, dude. I've spent like, you know, 10 years, 15 years admiring you in the ring, watching how you'll take on all comers, but every time they put the microphone in front of you afterwards, it's always, you know, whatever my promoter wants. No, call out Terrence Crawford. You know what? Actually say to him, bro, hey, Crawford, turn heel. Make, draw enough money where you can fight me. Or get on the mic and say, I don't know if Bob has plans for this, but I do want Broner because I'm 38 and I want to make a lot of money on the way out. Like, come on, is it that hard, Manny? We, he never once called out Mayweather. It was like a soft, like, if he wants to fight me, I would love to fight him. No, come on, you know. Am I asking too not, much of an individual to sell himself? Really, am I asking too much? Not going to happen. I mean, at this point in his career, I don't see him uh, him going for that 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 personality change. You know, he's just going to go up there, and you're going to hear the same old cliches about, you know, uh, you know, I thank God everyone is safe. We, you know, we, we want to give the people a good fight. Uh, I love, you know, my my countrymen in the Philippines. You know, you know, mabuhay kayo, you know, salamat. You, that's all. You know, that, that's Manny. That's all you're gonna get out. We of can't him. even uh, get sometimes when we touch. I miss that guy. I really do. Um, you know, are you saying you miss the, the boozing, gambling? Um, uh, outside cop of marriage fighting. affair, cop fighting Manny. I think we all miss that version of Manny. As much as I, as much as we can commend him for you know turning his life around, he's a philanthropist. He's all these great things. He takes care of his people, but we do mix that guy. I mean, can we get like a uh, what would they call it when John Lennon broke up with Yoko? They call it the famous lost weekend. Can we have can we get a lost weekend of Manny for about like six months where he just kind of goes off the rails and starts knocking people out? And yeah, yeah, maybe that's maybe I'm asking for something that's that's wrong here. We're but, gonna uh, predict this fight. You want to do it? Yeah, we might as well give give the people what they want, right? Which is a prediction. Uh, you know, Rafe. I don't know much about Jeff Horn. You know, that's the thing, right? Like, so you see some YouTube, you, you go, okay. He's, He's undefeated. He's probably got a decent chin. I mean, he went in there against Randall Bailey, right? The problem is, Rafe, if he does have a decent chin, then this fight's going the distance, and you're going to have another one of those forgettable Manny fights. I don't think Manny is going to say, I'm on ESPN, so I'm going to give the people a knockout so I can increase my pay-per-view brand. I think that's a Michael Kant's conversation. It's not a Manny conversation. This fight's going the distance. Manny's going to box him with ease, Rafe. That's the bottom line. I think it comes down to uh, Jeff Horn's chin, you know, and like, I, I honestly, I wouldn't bet against, I, I have a hard time betting against the chin of an Australian guy. They, t they tend to, they tend to make them pretty tough out there. Despite uh, him being the fighting school teacher, Jeff Horn uh, <laughs> probably can hang in there and take a punch. Um, hey, wait, but didn't but man, Jared Fletcher go down easy to Jacobs and Washington? Yeah, there've been some guys. Get up against Golovkin. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Wash Giel, yeah, foremost among them, has has has, uh, has, has really done a lot to hurt the reputation of the of the Aussie chin. Um, but um, you know, all that said, I, I'm gonna. I think that they. I think that he 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 got to get the knockout. He's gonna get the knockout. Man, he's gonna knock this guy out. Not because he's trying to, but this guy just doesn't belong in the ring. I mean, it, it'll just he'll be so easy to hit and taking so much damage that somebody is going to stop that fight. Um, it just doesn't, I, I don't, I don't, you know, Jeff Horn, prove us wrong. Maybe we've all overlooked you because we have um, and make a great story out of this, but I just don't think he, he, you know, when, when the, when the, when the gap is this big in terms of, you know, experience, talent, ability, track record, you know, uh, it just is very, I don't see how a fight can last 12 rounds like that. Is this, this is probably, okay. This is not worse than Mayweather Birdo. Is this worse than De La Hoya Forbes? Um, Forbes was like, one and two in his previous three fights entering that fight. Yeah, I th- well, I, I think you say it is just because like Forbes had fought on a high-ish level. Yeah, before. the contender, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he had, no, he had been. No, there, there were times in his career where he was a legitimate title contender. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dropping on CB Forbes. I guess, yeah. Yeah, like, moving on, Rafe. I mean, really, what are we going to hang around in this Pacquiao Horn conversation? Let's get to something more fun, something more f- fantasy and creative. It's called What's It Look Like? And, Rafe, I've been sitting on this one for not just weeks, hoping we had time to fit it in, but this specific matchup is one of my favorite campfire ones because you know I'm a big Oscar De La Hoya mark, my favorite fighter in history, along with the great Sugar Ray Leonard. But Oscar's my guy, right? Through thick and thin, even though I want to cut the cord a few times when his outside the the ring interviews and and nonsense start to add up. But let me set the stage for you, all right? 2008, Miguel Cotto was undefeated at welterweight. Let's say he doesn't sign up for the long-awaited unification showdown against Antonio Margarito that arguably changed the man for good, right? You don't need an iPad right now to, to, to know about the loaded raps that may or may not have been there. But at 2008, Miguel Cotto was on the verge of really busting out. At welterweight, he had defeated Shane Mosley. He had just blown away Alfonso Gomez. I mean, he had really hurt Carlos Quintana. I mean, he, he, was, he was about to make that leap. Let's say Oscar coming off the Floyd loss. Let's say Oscar is still as committed in camp as he was for that Floyd fight. When for six rounds, let's remember, he gave Floyd a very tough fight. Let's say he says, Miguel, let's fight at 154. Move up and wait. We'll do it on pay-per-view and you're guaranteed that it's the same version of Oscar from that Floyd fight. Not the guy who got hit a lot against C.B. Forbes and not the guy who sucked down to 47 and looked dead against Pacquiao. Oscar versus Cotto at 54, prime Cotto. What does it look like? Prime Cotto was real good. I was I was always a little – I had a little bit of that Cotto hater in me where I just was like, ah, I kept thinking, oh, Shane is going to beat him. Shane, But prime Cotto before Margarito threw – honest or nefarious means, you know, changed his life. Um, Prime Cotto was super, super good. And I think he would have walked through Oscar at that point. Wow, walk career. through. All right. So I think Oscar, walk through, walk through. All right. The uh, version I, of Oscar from the Floyd fight at 54. I know what you're saying. Was 34, version, little washed, but, but could still carry out a game plan, still had the jab, still had the left hook. But if this is body punching Miguel, who had probably seen footage of the Hopkins fight, right? Yes. You know, he's going to that body. He's going there. And also, I think, I mean, Oscar, was it was a great game plan and performance against Floyd that helped him stay in that fight. 
Um, I think it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. He was stealing rounds. It was shoe shine. He was just going crazy. Oh, you hate that stuff. You hate that stuff, yeah, by the way. Yeah, you are... man. I, I, you know, I want, I want honest wins. I want, I want you to, I want the man to be beaten. I don't want him to be outfoxed. How Letterman of you, right? How Kellerman <laughs> of you. I mean, that, that that's great stuff. Be as stuff. it may, Brian. Um, what would this fight look like? It would have been a marquee event in 08, right? It would have sold, if you consider that Mayweather De La Hoya sold 2.8. Four million to set the record at that point, which is now the number two. I think this fight could have done, considering Cotto's fan base, one point three and a half million. I could see that. Maybe I mean perhaps more. Oscar was a huge star star back then, and like and he, and he you saved get the, face. You get, against... This would have been the you know I mean you would have had the Mexico versus Puerto Rico angle. Would it have happened at the Garden or in Vegas? Uh, well, at that point, Oscar was probably too smart to lose the tax money of fighting in the Garden. So it probably would have been in Vegas. But yeah, of, I mean, Paulie Malignaggi talking about fighting prime Kodo, you know, in the garden said it's like, you know, going into hell to fight the <laughs> devil. <laughs> that would have been something I think, you know, maybe maybe prime Kodo stops. I don't I just think I, I want to believe that Oscar's backbone and his technical ability would have been strong enough to lose by decision, but not get knocked down and not get knocked out. So I would have given you Miguel Cotto by decision. That's what I would. But that's a fanboy in me. Fanboy. Let me throw one at you, Brian. Um, and, you know, we uh, we were speaking with, uh, you know, we got an interview, a nice long interview with Tom Loeffler, the promoter of uh, Gennady Golovkin this week about the upcoming Canelo Golovkin fight in September. Um, and it got me thinking, you know, I mean, of course, Andre Ward is in the news. You know, there was a there is a version of history in which the big step up fight, the star making fight for Gennady Golovkin a few years ago wasn't supposed to be, uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez. It was maybe rumored to be Andre Ward at 168 pounds if Golovkin had been willing or or if they had managed to figure out a way to make him move up. Uh, that fight kind of got lost in the shuffle for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, if that happened, how does what's that look like? Do you think that Triple G Ward, you know, especially now looking at the way Ward handled uh, Sergey Kovalev, do you think that pretty much? You know, any sort of that, that that does that just cement the idea that that Ward wins would have beaten Triple G as well? Yeah, and I've said that from the beginning. Uh, to be really honest, you know, from the from that beginning of Gennady's rise, and there were portions in Gennady's rise, right, where our expectations were like through the roof. You know, that this guy was superhuman. That that there was really no kryptonite. And I always said Ward is that kryptonite. Look, it would have to happen at sixty eight. Ward is a, is a naturally bigger fighter. He's deceptively strong in the fact that he will outmuscle you on the inside. He will fight dirty with you if he has to. He knows how to be defensive against people who fight dirty. He knows how to fight every style. And if you look at the hardest fight for Gennady's career was Jacobs, the one with the closest body at the very least in terms of the balance of speed and strength is really Andre Ward You know, to Jacobs. And Jacobs fought a heck of a fight, nearly won that one. I think that he would have found a way to disarm Gennady. I think that Gennady showed you, unfortunately, against Jacobs, a couple of things that give you pause, right? The inability to adjust to a game plan where he just essentially did the same thing, the whole fight, plan A. Luckily for Gennady, his jab is so good that plan A was enough to beat Jacobs. It would not be enough to beat Ward. I think under any circumstance three years ago or next year, Ward Golovkin at 68 ends with a Ward UD12. I think you're ultimately right, um, just because honestly, after watching the way Ward fought against Sergey Kovalev, you know, a, a guy who's, you know, he moved up to fight, uh, I it's almost hard to pick 
any opponent against Andre. I mean, there's some mythical matchups, you know, Roy, I mean, Roy, as he said on our friends, the HBO podcast, he didn't have no problems with nobody and no halves. So why would he have problems with Andre Ward or anybody else fighting now? Um, but, um, but in terms of like even remotely realistic fights in the past few years uh, for, for Andre Ward, I don't know if anyone beats him just because he shows you he just it not it ain't going to be pretty, but he's going to figure out a way to make that his fight and win it. He's the best fighter uh, in the world, Rafe. All right. He really is. Uh, in in his own way, it, it really I think he, he deserves that title. Um, you know, so I think you're ultimately right. I would still like to I, I would have liked to see it because I do think it looks different from the Kovalev fight, right? I mean, Ward, yeah, uh, Triple G, yes, he has a great jab, and so did Kovalev, but he's not as long. He is better inside. He might have. Uh, a different kind of, I think, I mean, his, you know, he, he, I think he would have had the power to hurt Ward and maybe um, while he doesn't adjust to a game plan, you know, as well as, you know, as Ward does or some of the great, you know, sort of like, like pure boxers, I think Triple G has a few more tricks, more punches in his arsenal. Uh, would, Except that would, he wasn't, wouldn't punch with Jacobs though. So is he going to punch with Ward? Um, I think, well, so the difference, so the difference I think there is what the way Ward fights, I mean, Ward fights inside a lot, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't move his, his feet are not as quick or as willing to, you know, stay moving as Jacobs proved his was when he fought Triple G. I think the movement is what really, and the switching stances uh, that Jacobs did really sort of kept, uh, kept Golovkin from, from being able to, to get the, you know, the sort of get into the rhythm he wanted to, 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 to have a convincing, you know, convincing win in that fight. Um, it would look different. I mean, I think Ward would find his own way to, to give Triple G trouble and slow him down, but I don't think it would look the same with him sort of turning out of corners, you know, backing up and changing directions. It would be, you know, more of a Ward fight, a lot of mauling, and you sort of see uh, if if Golovkin can break through that or if he just gets befuddled by it. I think the, the chances are, you know, Ward comes out with the win because of his strength, because of his size, because of everything he can do in a fight. But it sure would be interesting to see how, you know, a big, uh, not big, but just a strong, such a, a puncher and as strong with the skills of Triple G, the different kinds of punches he can throw at Ward um, would have been, you know, that's another great sort of riddle to imagine Andre Ward solving. No, no doubt about it. And speaking of Ward, I want to give you a second what's it look like here. Ward talking about his future, you know, like we talked about last week, not bringing up Adonis's name. He says he wants a cruiserweight or heavyweight one-off fight against the right opponent. Well, how about this, Rafe? I don't know if you think this is the right opponent. I don't know if I think this is the right opponent. But if you want, there's no, right now there's no, like, John Ruiz level I don't want to say easy title list, but Roy Jones had the speed for Ruiz to, and he could punch hard enough to make that a fight. You know, you can say what you will about Joseph Parker. We don't know who he is. So there's no quote-unquote weak title list right now. But there is a man, Rafe, who is still the lineal heavyweight champion, who still has the most, arguably among hardcores, the most important heavyweight championship belt, which is the champion of the guy who beat the guy. His name is Tyson Fury, Rafe. You may see him on Instagram. He's still got a fat face. He's getting back into shape, but he's still putting out the same funny videos. What if they creatively matched up? What if Ward's like, all right, I can't fight Joshua. I can't fight Klitschko, right? I mean, these guys, they're just too big of punchers. But I'll fight overweight Tyson Fury for the lineal championship, and we'll make this. We'll do it in England. We'll do it in front of ninety thousand and one fans at Wembley Stadium, so we can, you know, get Carl Froch and Joshua's name out of the history books at the same time, mind you. Uh, straight up, what would that fight look like if Ward put on the kind of muscle that says, "I may never go back down to sixty-eight or seventy-five because I'm going all in for history. I'm going to beat the lineal heavyweight champion." What does that look like, Rafe? 
Um, I hate to say this, but I think it looks a lot like uh, Steve Cunningham versus Tyson Fury back in the day. Whoa! Uh, that's just that's a lot of meat to have laying on you. And Andre Ward, yeah, six it, nine know, two what two seventy. He would have to fight a different style than we're 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 used to seeing Andre Ward fight, which is not. I would like Andre Ward is one fighter who I would not put that past. Like maybe he has, you know, maybe he has in his back pocket. He could. I mean, and certainly he's a lot faster than Tyson Fury. So if he wanted to do more of a moving pot shotting, stay outside approach against the guy, Ward, you know, I mean, Ward could possibly pull that off. But the way he normally fights, that amount of you. Uh, 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 you know, whatever, 275-pound guy just sort of leaning on him nonstop, that is a huge risk. And you saw Cunningham dominated that fight for the first four or five rounds, then all of a sudden just started getting gassed because, you know, you had a, a gigantic man uh, sapping all that energy. He did then, get hit in the face with a forearm on the knockout uh, that point. too. Yeah, I mean, but but it was just you know you it was it was that that giving up that much weight is a is a big risk, um, you know, and uh, you would have to and the other risk is that Tyson Fury is such a wild card, you know, you don't want to call him out thinking he's weak and then have him show up, you know, That's magically the thing. in shape. Like all of a well, sudden you get a good version of the guy and you're like, ah, oh, damn. Like, I think you I, know I, I, Vladimir truly got tricked by that, right? Because Fury yeah. came in and we never saw him dance like that. I mean, even in the first uh, Chisora fight where he did, or I don't even know if there was a second fight, maybe not. I mean, even in the Chisora fight where he where he essentially boxed circles around him. I mean, the the thing is why you make Fury the idea of a weak one is that he doesn't punch as hard as, as the other heavyweights. That's number one. And he, there's a potential, like you said, that he can come in fat. But he still has really long arms, and he still knows how to lumber his body to buy. It's just, it would be really interesting. I mean, Ward would have to be willing to go out on, his, on a shield. I mean, because that's, you know, it's not a, a knockout puncher, but there's a guy that can punch to a certain degree at heavyweight. I think that if Ward wants to make a lot of money on the way out, I'll be, be honest with you, that's probably the biggest fight he can make, right? Joshua is the biggest fight. Yeah, but he, you, you couldn't make that. He would get knocked out. Joshua's too athletic. You know what I mean? I like, agree. But if you're just talking about, like, if you wanted a huge whatever against a huge event against a, against a heavyweight, against the guy he's going to make the most money against, that right. guy is Anthony Joshua. Um, it's just interesting, okay? There'd be a lot of money there. It'd be interesting to see if he could take the punches and outdance him for 12 yards. Let me throw one last what it looked like at you, Brian. And this one uh, might, you could argue, might have been the most uh, handsome matchup in recent years in a ring if, 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 it had, if it had been able to come together. The guys were a little bit closer in age. Uh, and I'm sorry it doesn't involve your man, Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy. It's what if Canelo Alvarez uh, somehow got a near-prime version of Sergio Martinez at 154. Oh, wow. Sexy Sergio and Canelo, all that, all that. So this isn't just, a it should have happened thing. This is more of a. No, this is just this is a fantasy matchup. Like near their prime. I mean, you could either. Yeah, let's just say in their primes, both guys. All right. So we're going to identify uh, quickly Canelo in his prime. Really right now, right? Right he's, now. He's in his yeah. he's in his Canelo weight. Even at what he's he's now the lineal champion at, at 164. Is it as <laughs> yes, well? Yes. Uh, look, Sexy Sergio's prime. I, I, I've always said, you know, the, the first fight I ever covered, right? His 2011 destruction of, of Sergei Zinzarek, the uh, Razor, 
Sergey yes. Razor Zinzarek may have been the just most complete version of him that I'd seen. I mean, of course, he knocked out Paul Williams with one punch, but this was the fight after that, two fights after winning the middleweight title from Kelly Pavlik. If it's still early 2011 version of Sergio Martinez when he was still 37, but a young 37, he was still not compromised by the knee injury, of course, that he suffered in the 12th round against Chavez, which cost him against Murray and Cotto. Man, he's way too much trouble for for Canelo because that is a really tough style to face against where guys peering forward and just, you know, with his arms down, just forcing you to throw a punch and then just lightning quick cornering you from awkward angles with the left hand. You know, Canelo would really have to commit to the body and sit in there and take shots. And I think he would really be thinking that Sergio never really known as a huge puncher, but he turned off Paul Williams' lights with one punch. You know, he stopped Barker during a fight where Barker had really been hiding behind the guard really well. He wore down and stopped Macklin, another durable guy. I mean, he knocked down Zinzerick like five times. He hit him with punches he never saw coming. Rafe, unless Canelo goes into, like, defensive boxer mode like he did against Mayweather where he's like, yeah, I'm content to lose 12 rounds. I don't really know what I'm doing in here. I think sexy Sergio could could stop him, and I and I you know I'm, I'm a Sergio super fan, of course, but I think he can walk the guy down and put it on him and catch him with something to make make him do the Jose Miguel Cotto dance. I think that you know my guy. I mean, let, let's get Lou DiBella on the line to back me up here. I think that can happen. Wow, maravilla! This is, this is marvelous. Uh, you're 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 you know that music to my ears. Uh, I don't even want to say anything more. That was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Sexy Sergio for the win. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Rafe, another strong episode in the books. We also, like you teased up, had to have a have an interview. I want everybody to hear. It's a separate episode of In This Corner Boxing Edition this week, where we talk to K2 promoter Tom Loeffler. Yes, the man behind building Gennady Golovkin. He takes us back at the origins of this five year journey of making Golovkin a star, getting the the big sponsorships, getting him into that fight with Canelo Alvarez when in the past year and a half it looked like things would fall apart. A, a, a very good talk. We got plenty of WWE episodes coming out. Our Week in Review this week, as always. Get you fired up. Follow me on Twitter at BCampbellCBS. Follow Rafe at Rafe Boogs. Hit us up with some Boxeo questions and then slide into the DMs. Hit us up with hashtag in this corner. We want to answer your questions. We want this to be a part of the show. Let us know you're listening. Go out there and rate, subscribe, review as always. And, you know, go out there and buy Rafe's book, all right? Two and two, McSorley's My Father and Me. Support the show. Rafe, you got any other messages for the fans on the way out of here? The only one that matters. We out, Brian. <laughs>